Hey, this is Tom Atona, Bullet Club original, OG, triple, triple, O freaking G, New Japan pro wrestling athlete, and you're listening to Wrestle In. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ocean Cyclone Show here on the Wrestle In Podcast Network. I am your host for today, Scott Edwards, and with me are the usual sp- suspects, Ryan, Trent. How are we doing today? Um, I will. Well, I, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I, I would just tell you that as a teacher at this point in the year, we're like, we have nothing left mentally or physically or in uh, our souls. Um, so every, if you meet it, if you see a teacher in the street, they know how many days it is till summer. Just ask them the number. They'll know the number. Right, um, how many 20, days is it until summer? <laughs> 26. 26. See, see um, this constantly confuses me because in Australia, the school year is based around the year. So, like, mm. the school year starts in February and ends in December. And our big break is over, you know, December, January, February. So, whenever, like, I hear about, like, Americans, you know, and like, okay, we're finishing in, like, April, May, and we come back in, like, August or something, it can, I would find that so confusing living just in a year to year as a kid because, like, it was so convenient. New year, new school begins. Cool. Yeah, numerically, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just the way it is. And then the, the summer is rejuvenating and absolutely necessary. Um, so looking forward to that. I mean, it makes sense because it'd be depressing if your long break was over winter and you just stuck up in the sat inside and stuff. Yeah, like you want to get out when there's sun and deal with the kids when it's all miserable because it's just com- combination miserableness. <laughs> I assume, like I'm not a teacher, but I assume it's miserable. <laughs> it's it's wonderful and miserable at the same time, in the same minute sometimes. So, yeah. Well, Trent, how are you? <laughs> I'm good because I'm not a teacher. Um, my voice might give out halfway through this because I, this is my fourth podcast in less than 24 hmm. hours. Um, and one of them went for a couple of hours. Isn't that right, Scott? You can't be the one complaining. You can't. <laughs> you can't. We recorded at 12 a.m. We can't complain. It, I'm yes. the only one that can complain. I've been sitting here in my desk chair for the past three hours trying to not fall asleep. So get out of here get out of here with that i don't want to hear it uh, it was yes. good fun and everyone should go listen to it on the fight game media patreon is it yes yes look everyone at me plugging should... your show scott oh, oh, awesome, if you're gonna plug it that's fine because i'm definitely gonna <laughs> plug it later um but that's good i'm happy that you still have a voice after mm. multiple podcast recordings welcome to my life yes. um it's it, it can i'm be, just a rookie know. in the world of scott yeah, well, I, uh, you know, I, I did say this on my podcast yesterday, but I do have my nickname of I am the man that sleep forgot and it's okay. Um, Perfect. I get, uh, I was wondering when I was going to say how I am, but you know what, Trent? I think you heard this enough yesterday, but Mariah won the Cinderella tournament. So it's time to celebrate everybody. I'm so happy. I celebrated on Twitter. I celebrated on my podcast. I'll celebrate on this podcast. If I had the song, it'd be a lot better. You know, the three claps, but I don't. Yeah, the three claps when there's nothing doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. But you get the point. Um, But yes, I'm very tired. And I'm here. And I'm excited to, well, okay. 
I should introduce the topic before we continue. So the topic of today's show will be Hanukkah Kimura. We are going to celebrate her life in every way we can, talking about our favorite matches, moments, ring gears. Uh, we're going to talk matinee. We're going to talk about Ifrard Bogus. Bogus, I'm pretty sure. According to Trent, it's called Bogus. If it's I'll wrong, look it up while you're speaking. So I'm not if it's lying. wrong, it's at One Up Culture on Twitter. Um, and if yeah, it's right, it's also at One Up. Culture if it, and on if Twitter. it's right, it's at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter. <laughs> and if it and if you don't care, it's at Ryan Dilbert on Twitter. All right, cool. So yeah, Ryan, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of messages. Just yeah. a, it is Bogus. B a g u s. I've looked it up. I've gone okay. to the Bunga Bunga website where they're selling the like the tickets and the Hanukkah merch. And yeah, it's right. Bogus. It right. means something. No, I, I figured I don't it know what it actually because like <laughs> Martin A meant see you something. later, and and this does it means something. I, yes. I figured. I feel bad that I is it. I look. Yeah, I might look it up if I. Know. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try right now. All right, I will continue. So Something. the main topic is we were going good. to talk Hanukkah. It means good. Oh, alrighty. Well, she is good, so mm. it fits. Um, but we're gonna celebrate Hanukkah in every way we can because it is May, of course, and is on May twenty third. That is when Bogus will be happening, much like my today last year. Uh, there's no news as of this recording on if that will be airing um, on Fight TV or anything, but. I'm sure one way or the other, we will be able to see it as it will be in Cork and Hall. Now, before we get into that, it's time for our wonderful conversation of what are you excited for moving forward? You know, we do these podcasts once a month. Uh, believe it or not, the last time we recorded Stardom World Climax hadn't happened yet. So that's that kind of crazy. So long ago. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we've had that. We've had WrestleMania weekend. We we're now in Golden Week, right? So mm-hmm. we've we've pretty much had all the busy wrestling weekends or entering the busy wrestling weekends for a lot of us. So Ryan, I'll start with you. What are you looking forward to right now in the wrestling world? Um, I'm excited to see where the the God's Eye faction goes. You could tell, obviously, the DDM was going to split. They got so big, and there was all this tension, and it split so logically like shuri outgrew the group mm-hmm. she's the best she's the champion why does she need to be under julia right so she's going to break right. away start her own thing so that's already intriguing and then they call themselves the god's eye which is like excellent name great yeah. start. It goes up with one of the best names um and then this cool like eye symbol and stuff yeah. on top of that and then you're like, who else is going to be in the group? It's three, three people now, but that's pretty small normally, um, including uh, Mariah. Uh, yeah. Like, so there's some there's some movement there, and then I don't think DDM is done splintering, right? So are, are they going to go three different groups, or it is nothing is settled yet? So just all that is very intriguing to me. Do you have a prediction as to who might splinter off of DDM next? No, I haven't. But like Julia, I guess Julia brought all those new people in, like mm. Tekla. And then Mariah who said like, bye. Right, immediately she's gone. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe she keeps Tekla. Himika goes somewhere else. I don't know. Um, but just not knowing is like a really fun time in wrestling. Ah. You, you don't know what's going on. You want to see where it goes. 
so close, so close to getting Uh-oh. rid of the one person I wanted you to get rid of. And you didn't, you didn't say who, it. Who is this? I would absolutely love if we just happened <laughs> to get rid of my Sakurai. Just, you know, well, okay. she just kind of, you know, went away. I'm just kidding. She's been improving. Um, and, you know, someone's got to get pinned, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that group, she's there as a pin eater because they looked at Donna Del Mundo and I was like, oh, we don't want any of these people to be taking too many losses. My, come on board. Pretend you don't want to dance even though all of our groups dance. You make a fair point. <laughs> you make a very that's, fair that's what point. I do. Um, okay. All right. All right. All right, Trent. Uh Trent, what are you what are you excited for uh in the coming days, weeks, month? Because mm. I have no idea when we'll record again. I'm excited for two returns. Um, the first return comes this week during Golden Week, the return of Gutto Move. Um, after two years hiatus. Look, Choco Pro, I think, did incredible things, not only for Gatto Move, but just the concept of sort of what wrestling can be, regardless of your size, regardless of your output. Um, they've done a tremendous job. They've kept every, everyone there uh, fed, housed, being able to live through a pandemic. And now Gatto Move can come back and they can stretch their wings a bit more. And look, Choco Pro is going to stick around, which I'm really happy for, because I think there's something beautifully unique about the structure of that and the familial vibes that come with, you know, the audience participating online rather than sort of just being those in the uh, area. Um, but Gatto Move and what it can do, you know, especially now with two years of Choco Pro to sort of build it up. Uh, it'll be very exciting to see what happens. They sold out Itabashi Green Hall in 30 minutes, which obviously it's not a big, big building. It doesn't have a lot of seats, but the sheer fact that you sell it out that quickly kind of shows the mm-hmm. interest in that brand at the moment. Um, so that's only going to be exciting to see move forward. And later this month kind of ties into the main topic, but May 23rd will also be the return of Jungle Kiona in an exhibition match. We don't know her opponent yet, um, but I'm so happy after the basically 18 months that she's not been wrestling and having multiple surgeries and then setbacks on those surgeries uh, to finally see her back in the ring doing what she loves. So excited. So you want to talk about Tokyo Cyber Squad here? Okay, well, I'm excited for the return of Konami. I feel it's pretty needed to say i mean she's Mm. returning tomorrow as of this recording of course she'll make her first of five match return um i believe she's facing the cosmic angels with god's eyes so that's very exciting for me um i'm a big konami fan so i'm happy to see her back um if you heard that i'm sorry (laughs) something in the background uh all right also tomorrow i mean this i have no idea if this is going to happen but tomorrow marvelous has their big cork and hall show. And, you know, by the time you might listen to this, I could be heartbroken already. I could be devastated or I could be really happy, but I am expecting the return announcement by Mio Momono. That is what I am expecting. That is what I'm hoping for. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to be very sad. But you know what? If Keiji Muto can announce his return on one day, then I think the great Mio Momono can do the same the next. I think it's fair. I think it's in the same conversation, except Mio Momono's better. So there's that. Historically, too. Not just better oh, now, but historically. Bigger yeah. draw was more effective in WCW. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Doesn't, you know, you know what she does? She puts over talent, unlike Mr. Muto. So there you go. Um, 
other things I'm excited for is just, you know, this whole golden week. I think it's uh, worth talking about, you know, Ice Ribbon's having not their last show, but their last major show for a probable long time. So I'm excited to see how they do that. It's going to be an emotional night for a lot of the Ice Ribbon fans. Um, and then, of course, Fukuoka stardom doing another pay-per-view because they don't stop. Um, interested to see where that goes because, of course, Mariah will be facing the winner of that main event. So very mm. excited all around. Golden Week's packed. Golden Week's packed. Yeah. And, and, and then there's, you know, everything that comes after it, which is just normal wrestling. And that's what's so exciting about it all. I would recommend, just in case Mia Momono doesn't come back, maybe have the uh, Cinderella Tournament finals just loaded up on your computer. Uh, just so you can relive that moment and bring the smiles again, just in case. That can be your therapy. Damn, that's that's a good point. <laughs> um, this all will catch the wave starts this week, so that's exciting. Yes. Um, if you're not watching Catch the Wave, then you're bad. You should catch the wave. Yeah, you should just catch the wave. Get, <laughs> catch the wave as soon as you possibly can. Uh, Suzu Suzuki's in it. There's my selling point. Miyuki Takase's in it. There's my other selling point. Done. I don't need to sell it anymore. That that should already have you buying. That should already have you invested. I didn't um, know you are in marketing, Scott. Well, you know, there it I, is. Took some, I took some classes in college. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, but let's get to our main topic today uh when you know we don't have a special song to press like i don't have a button to press and it'll you know play our theme song or anything yeah yeah trent got you uh but of course we were talking about hanukkah um the legacy she leaves behind uh celebrating hanukkah and i think for me as someone that did a show last year about hanukkah and we'll probably do one in some form every year until no one wants to listen to me anymore which is probably could be now um i think it's just good to talk about her and her greatness and just remember her as much as we can whenever we can i think that's really important um because her passing still is hits a lot of people hard you know it, it you don't have to be okay with what happened two years ago right now you don't you can deal with it however you want but what I think we do need to do as a you know wrestling community is continue to celebrate her life. Don't let her be forgotten because she was, you know, amazing. She was she was going to be one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world. I firmly believe that stardom was about to ascend to the next level, and she was going to be really the face of that. So we could start really wherever you guys want. You know, we could start with matches, moments. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll just toss it around. We'll just go around the horn, keep going okay. until, and we'll discuss them. So, Ryan, I'll let you go first. I think to, you have to start the conversation about Hana with, like, it factor, yeah. star power, you know, all these intangibles that um, are so elusive, right? Like, WWE gets all these athletes, they put them through the training, and it's like it doesn't stick. Like you, yeah. you, you gotta have this unteachable thing that you walk in the room and you go, that who's that person? Yeah. And like if you would never watched a Joshi show, never watched a stardom show, and you turned on a Hana match, you'd be you'd definitely be like, I'd like to know more about that one. Who is she? What's she all about? Um, yeah. And she had that right away. Mm-hmm. 
but then it was getting bigger and bigger um and who knows like how big she could have been in japan or the u.s like i don't think i don't know if she would have stayed you know um she could have gone anywhere she wanted and just been super successful but it starts with that like presence and it factor and and all those things that's the crazy thing when you look at hana like her career only lasted four four and a half years she mm-hmm. didn't have a long career but from the very moment like i remember the first matches i saw of her back when she was first in stardom like straight away you knew like whether it's in two years whether it's in four years whether it's in six years she's going to be a big deal yeah, even when she's just coming in as just a member of Oedo Tai and like she wasn't the focal point necessarily because that group was Kagetsu for a little while, so Kyoko and just the group dynamics as a whole. But you couldn't help but watch that, watch her entrance, watch how she carries herself in the ring and just go, okay, this is someone that people will point to and say, this is what you need in a professional wrestler. And you can look at the, the very greatest wrestlers ever come through, people like The Rock, where it's just that, undeniable charisma and you're like mm-hmm. this guy's special this guy's a big deal hana was that kind of person and i truly believe if she'd been able to flourish to her full extent um she would have been exactly what women's wrestling in a global sense needed they needed that kind of transcendent superstar that everyone would just point to and go you're undeniable and hana kimura had that yeah um it, it, you know it's funny like how you guys brought up you know the first time you see her you're like oh need to know more about her i need to know who she is because she is a star didn't matter if it was a way to tie didn't matter if it was you know outside of stardom where she also mm. competed or of course tokyo cyber squad where she just you know she was the star um it the way i got introduced to her as a wrestler is so there was a gauntlet um gauntlet elimination match between queen's quest and Oedo tie oh, it's, it's, gr- it's a great match it's a phenomenal match it's where either momo or tam were gonna get kicked out of the group and i remember watching and when i was starting uh you know as a stardom fan going into joshi i knew io shirai you know i knew I knew the big names. I knew Kagetsu, but what I would do is go into these matches and not read anyone's name. I, you know, cause I, cause I knew the names. I just wanted to just understand it before I went into it. And I just remember Hana in that match. And I was like, she's fantastic. Like, who is she? And that's, you know, and then I realized I was like, Oh, that's Hana Kimura. Cause you know, she, you see the Tokyo Cyber Squad version of her and you see the Oedo Tai version of her. It's very different in some ways, mm. but um, it's magical either way because of how great she was. And uh, she did have that aura around her that, like Ryan said, who knows if she would have stayed as an arm. She could have went wherever she wanted and been the biggest star in whatever division or company she wanted. That's how great she was. Um, and I know a lot of people learned about her actually through her time in Ring of Honor. You know, watching those couple shows that she was on, that's how they got to know her and, you know, Kagetsu and so on. And that would bring them to stardom. So that's the effect she had for a lot of people early in her career is you saw her and you're like, oh, okay. You know, she, she's got it. And, you know, way to ties delivery and whatnot always helps. And eventually Tokyo Cyber Squad and so on. But I always thought that was really interesting. It's like, Anytime I read stories that people post about Hana, it's like, oh, I saw her in Ring of Honor. And I was like, 
who are these people? Where can I see them wrestle? <laughs> like, where can I go and see them wrestle? Mm-hmm. You know, you go down, you find it, you figure it out, and you end up in stardom. And she was a gateway for a lot of people. Yeah, there's a great interview um, with Cheeseburger on the Joshi Pod. And he's talking about like her coming to the U.S. and how she would come out to the show and nobody knew who she was. But by the end of the match, like she had everybody pulling for her. Mm. Like that is such an amazing thing to go from. I don't know you to I am rooting for you to win. And I want, you know, I'm I'm totally behind you. Um, And he was talking. She did that all the time. And it was done on minimal fanfare. They weren't brought in in like big main event spots like maybe some of the New Japan guys were on. You know, most of the stardom women that they came through, they were on the first or second match or the dark match. So, you know, they weren't given a lot of time. They weren't given the fanfare. So to establish yourself in that way, in that situation, you know, it's not necessarily Mario Watani in Madison Square Garden defending the Women of Honor Championship. It's just kind of, oh, who are you in this little nothing match <laughs> to draw the attention? For an undercard, really, in that situation, to do that just kind of shows that aura because you don't have the benefit of being presented as the big main eventer or this big foreign export that everyone wants to see. Yeah, you do the work yourself exactly. in the ring. She's one of the only wrestlers to wrestle, uh, women's wrestlers, to wrestle in both the Tokyo Dome and Madison Square Garden. Mm. I believe. Fair in mind, right? I believe so. I believe mm. that is the... Uh, I believe that that is the two, which is very impressive, of course, because those are very well-known arenas, to say the least. Um, yeah. Stadium, dome, whatever you want to call the Tokyo Dome. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to Hana, we could talk about her star power. We could talk about, you know, her ability outside of the ring. But I think it's, you know, always best to go inside the ring when you talk about such a talented wrestler because – what Hana Kimura was to me inside the ring was she wasn't the perfect wrestler, but she made you believe in everything she did. Mm. Everything she did in that ring, you believed. You got invested in what she was doing. Um, I kind of want to start at the her five-star Grand Prix run. I rewatched it all from start to finish last year um, in preparation for something like this. And it's such an enjoyable run because – you know, you have a match that lasts six seconds, and then you have a match that is amazing against Momo Watanabe, and you have a great final against her friend in Tokyo Cyber Squad partner Konami. So it's a amazing run from start to finish because you have so many different factors playing, but you also watch her confidence grow from beginning to end, which mm-hmm. was really interesting to me. Um I'll let you either of you go, but how do you feel about that five-star run? Because I think we can all agree that, you know what? She probably should have won the title after it, but that's not the conversation. She made the run hers. She made it her. uh, She just did amazing with it. I think it was timed perfectly. If you do it, if you do it a year earlier, I don't know if she'd be quite ready. Um, She was growing so much, but like 2019, She's like red hot, catching fire. And then she was able to use that tournament as this launching point. And it just like synced up perfectly, like where you want the person to be and where they are. And it was her like, I won't say coming out party, but like it really cemented her as top star material. 
it, it definitely announced that because obviously like Hannah Kamara had the charisma she had the aura and the presence and the character work but like in ring she was always kind of you know middle of the tier even in that sort of period of stardom but I think the five-star Grand Prix kind of highlighted that she was growing into a main event level wrestler and yeah. not just a main level uh, main event level performer um, and look, you're absolutely right, Ryan, because a year ago, like she wasn't even in the tournament. She was coming back from Mexico. She made her return and she interfered in the Tam Nakano Kagetsu match, ultimately turning on Aweto Tai. And like that little period in sort of the later stages of 2018 was so important for her finding the Tokyo Squad character and finding who she was going to be moving forward. If they'd f- found a way to pull the gu- uh, trigger on her then, I think it would have been a little too soon. Mm-hmm. But come 2019, she'd established Tokyo Cyber Squad. She'd found that character. I mean, that faction was the hottest faction in stardom at the time, quite comfortably, I think. Um, and Hana Kimura and the way she carried herself and sort of drew this team forward was such a big part of that. And just seeing that growth, even through the five-star tournament, mm-hmm. you know, she was adding moves like the uh, Tiger Lily pile driver and just finding that uh, sort of setup that would turn her from just someone with potential to someone who is going to be the next big thing. I think you guys really touched on it of how it all, it was all a perfect storm. It really was. Mm. Um, if anyone ever wants to go check it out, I, I'm not recommending this to read what I wrote, but like I gave like a guide of going through match by match and kind of how it went. Um, that's on lastworldsports.com if you ever want to check that out. But <clears throat> yeah, I just, I looked through the matches again while you guys were talking and she pretty much had every kind of match you can <laughs> think of in that tournament. There was some comedy spots, you know, with uh, comedy yet, um, you know, kind of like a heated rivalry with Natsu. She had the big shock of losing to Saki Kashima, which, you know, that's a classic, obviously. Yeah, it's a right of passage. Uh, you, have, <laughs> you have the very serious, you know, Incredible battles with Mayu Iwatani and Momo Watanabe, who at that time in 2019, that's that's the top. Like, that mm. is the top. And she fought them back to back. And then you have Hazuki, who she battled pretty much to get there, get to the finals, which was another great match because those two just had, you know, we know their history. It's very detailed. But mm. when they got in the ring together, they just knew how to connect and how to bring out the best in one another and of course like i said the konami uh the konami finals to get that moment um and you know she looked like a star from beginning to end she you know had that unique look that was unique to pretty much that tournament of the braid and Mm. you know that braid that we watched julia sport um for the match with konami and you know she still does it now but when, she, when that happened, everyone was like, oh, we know what she's doing. We know exactly <laughs> what she's doing. And that's, of course, what match we'll talk about later. But this tournament really was like, you know, you didn't need a star-making performance for Hanukkah. She was already a star. But giving her an accolade mm. like this makes you know, yeah. okay, now she's a main event yeah. star. We are going with her. You know, two months later, she was part of that Tokyo, the first ever stardom uh match in a Tokyo Dome show was her and Julia versus uh, Mayu and Arisa Hoshiki and like that was supposed to be your future of course Mm. Um, if you guys want to go a little more back in the past from just here because we kind of skipped forward a little bit um, but I'll let you guys you know propose a match or 
anything well, really because let's talk no... that mo- that momo match that you're, you're talking about oh yeah um <laughs> i think if <laughs> you're price. if you're gonna um if you're not familiar with her work or you've just seen a few things like to me that's like one of the matches you put on like must see yeah, yeah. the intensity and the ferocity there is really carries it it's a very emotional match so like pulling at each other's hair they're like howling like cats like like you said there's different kinds of matches that was her like slugfest back alley brawl she's great um, at those. and like yeah that's like her specialty which you kind of wouldn't think that someone who's like um so pretty and like a star and it's like the grittier matches where she really shines mm. Just like that, that one with, with Momo. That was where her personality in the ring always came through the best. Because obviously, like in her Edo Tire run, the character was kind of this egotistical, narcissistic, I'm the most beautiful person in the room. Um, and that kind it didn't change necessarily with Tokyo Cyber Squad, but it evolved. But seeing someone challenge her and sort of get into that, you know, just a war, a slugfest, it suited her in-ring style, but it also brought out the most interesting parts of her character. You know, when she kind of had to lose the facade a bit and just get real. Um, yeah. That was always when Hana Kimura was the most interesting, I thought. Mm. Well, I, I was going to try to go back into the past for a little bit, but you want to talk about Slugfest, you want to talk about the best of the best from Hana Kimura, I think we can go to the match with Julia. Mm. Um, the match with Julia, I think, one, that's the match that got Julia over in Stardom. Absolutely. I, wanna, I need to point that out. You know, Julia is one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Um, women's wise she is you know future uh world starting champion blah 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 without this match and this feud with hanakamura mm-hmm. she doesn't get there because if you watch julia's work when she started there you know some of it was good it was good but one people of course had the obvious problems with julia and how she went to stardom and you know n- not none of her matches were like must see but then year end climax 2019 these two have a 15-minute war, and it's just – it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite matches, truly, yeah. to go back and watch. Like, I will watch it probably sometime this month because they weren't around each other for that long, but they made you think – you they made you think that they were year-long rivals. They were all-time rivals. You know, me and Trent talked about yesterday how Saya Kawatani and Micah are rivals forever these two were going to be rivals forever. They were going to fight for titles. They were going to main event their biggest shows possible. You know, that Tam Nakano feud might not happen depending on where situations go, because that was going to be Hana. And there's the Arisa Ishiki story there too, where, you know, a lot of that kind of just combined those two, but this match, it's the one you go and see. I'm pretty sure it's up free on uh, stardom youtube as well under their we are stardom series i believe i watched it on there i think it is in full you know some of them are cut but it's only 15 minutes go out of your way to watch it you can just feel the intensity from start to finish it's a really fantastic match it's it's not i mean i guess in hindsight it's almost a passing of the torch because the julia character the julia persona that we see in stardom is obviously influenced so much by what Hana was able to do for her and just kind of the Hana characters as well. Julie's taken some of those aspects and made it her own in a way that's really helped elevate her character. Because, yeah, when she first came in, 
like you could tell stardom saw big things in her and truthfully you could tell she probably believed it as well but it was just finding that sort of leapfrogging point to be able to find that groove and the feud with hana who you know drew the ugliness out and sort of just mm. made kind of the it was the early staple of what we were to expect with the tan Meccano and julia fights um just that kind of raw slugfest kind of thing um it's beautiful in its madness um yeah. and it's such an integral part of that julia character and highlights you know where hana was going as well i absolutely agree yeah. if everything had gone as it was meant to 2020 would have been Arisa versus Tam and Hana versus Julia. Would you guys both say that's her best match? Cause that's, that's where I, I am. Like bell to bell. If you had to say it what, one what match. you're looking for. Mm. Are, we talking, are we talking about Hana? Kimura? Hana's match. Yeah. Hana's yeah, match. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, you know, I, before Trent jumps in, I'll, I'll just say, yes, I do. Mm. I agree. Um, it's one I go back and watch all the time. It's just, it's one one it's so easy to watch like it is 15 minutes full slug fest you're not waiting for anything they just give it to you i mean the first thing they do hana is smashing julia's (laughs) face in on the mat like yeah it's it's ding 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 perfect clobbering time and they were legitimately perfect rivals for each other because Mm. julia's best style is the rugged style we Mm. see it We've seen her try the technical stuff during mm-hmm. her title reign. And I think a lot, uh, most people can agree that's not her best work. You know, I say this thing Julia is the best, is the worst great wrestler ever because when she does <laughs> the little wrestling things, you're like, ah, oh, come on. But when she does the, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to kill you and I'm going to go in and we're just going to slug it out. She's phenomenal. And, that's what Julia's great at. That's what Hannah was great at. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely say I think this for me is Hannah's best match. But there's so many, and I know there is that Kagetsu tag when Kagetsu was retiring that a lot of people will pick too mm-hmm. for not just the match, but just the feeling you got from it, where she donned the black hair again. It was just that special in its own way. Yeah, the emotion is different there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like it's probably the best match bell for bell, kind of as Ryan said. For me, though, if I'm talking favorite Hunter Kimura matches, um, I've got to go back to 2017 with that five star Grand Prix run, the match with Kagetsu. Uh, it's not a technical classic, but the storytelling that's involved, both in terms of the overarching five star Grand Prix story, where Oedo Tai going to give Hunter Kimura the tournament, and then Kagetsu going to lay down, but obviously being a bit of a ruse and sort of the final <laughs> storytelling moment when. Hunter's pissed that you know Kagetsu didn't do what they'd agreed on but the whole point was you've got to learn you've got to push through she's trying to make her a, a better wrestling performer and then of course she had the little bonus part of Tam Nakano who was ringside who was unsure about joining Oedo Tai seeing that family bond between the two of them and Chris Wolf coming in saying can I join and really that sort of matched for me is what truly set off the golden era of Oedo Tai which everyone remembers in terms of like, you know, Pico at Otai being something that everyone wanted to watch and be a part of and just kind of witness. And if you're watching Stardom through that time, which is so exciting seeing what are they going to do next? What antics are they going to get up to? Um, and it's so easy to forget how short that core period is, mm-hmm. you know, with because Tam wasn't there that long. Natsu Samir only came in about halfway through Tam's run, but it was just chock full of greatness. And it all really, to me, came to a head in that particular match with Kagetsu. The Kagetsu match is such a simple and good story, too, like bell to bell. Like, mm. it's Kagetsu is like, you're not 
on my level yet. Mm. You're good. You kicked me in the face. You did pretty good. But in the end, I just put you down. You're not on this tier yet. And sometimes like that simplicity is so powerful. And, and they did an awesome job there. It was the classic veteran versus up and coming yeah. storyline where, you know, the, the, the youngsters got to give absolutely everything. And the veterans just basically saying, okay, what more can we draw out? What more can we draw out? And then at a moment, it's like, oh, is this too much? Can I actually handle this? And then ultimately, you know, Kagetsu's a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, knows the tricks a little bit more than Hana does to pull off the victory. But yeah, it's storytelling doesn't have to be overly complicated it can be simple but when you've got the right characters the right moments and you do it well it's yeah. memorable yeah i mean it, it i i brought this match up earlier and it kind of goes in hand with what you were saying but i brought up the gauntlet match and mm. if we want to talk about matches that hanakamura was at least a part of you know she didn't she wasn't in there the whole time but she was a part of that match and that's one of the best that is probably the best gauntlet match I've ever seen, like yeah. bar none. Like the Doc Gauntlets, it's amazing. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the it was Queen's Quest versus D, uh, not DDM, Jesus, <laughs> uh, versus Oedo Time. So used to that now. Um, and the teams were made up of Azumi, Hazuki, Yoshirai, Viper, who is uh, Piper Niven in WWE. I'm not, we're not calling it Dewdrop. Uh, I was going to say, that's not what they call her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Momo Watanabe versus Kagetsu, Chris Wolf, Natsu Samire, uh, Hanakamura, and Tam Nakano. And as I said earlier, Momo or Tam were going to be kicked out of the group after mm. that. So there was a real interesting part to watch there of, yeah, you have that drama, but you just had so many great wrestlers in the ring yeah. at different times and it's one of the more unique gauntlet matches you'll ever see because of the way it was designed of one person from each team in the ring at the same time and as everyone gets eliminated you know you switch off and by the end it was down to momo and tam as you'd expect but just really great stuff there um and that's just a match i wanted to bring up because it kind of shows you that oedo tai family working together Mm. Um, in a really good way, even though that they lost. <laughs> Probably one of the most emotional moments in Stardom's history, in a in a kayfabe sense. You know, I yeah. don't want to necessarily talk about retirements and you know, sort of memorial shows or anything. But like in terms of like the storytelling in Stardom, I don't think anything matches the aftermath of that, where Tam's yeah. just in the middle of the ring. She. Yeah, that was by far her best performance as a wrestler to that point. She'd given everything she could, but she just ultimately fell short to someone who wasn't far off becoming a dominant wonder of stardom champion. Um, and just seeing that raw emotion. Like I've always said uh, Tam's one of the best storytellers in wrestling. And that's it's just how she reacts there and how everyone else reacts around her as well is just beautiful. And that's the, um, if you go by cage match ratings, Hana's highest rated match is the that gauntlet match. So um, a lot of people are very into that. Yeah. It, it's a match you can show to people kind of, especially if you're talking pre-Bushi Road era and you don't want to just do the obvious Io Shirai versus Mayu Watani kind of stuff. If you just want to show what stardom can be at, at its best. Yeah, that's how I always felt about that match. It's a great way to, one, show people a little bit of everything. You're not mm. just showing two wrestlers you're showing them like the whole package 
And then, you know, you get the emotional side as well, which is a lot of the greatness behind stardom. You know, they, they carry so much emotional weight to it. Uh, but, you know, moving forward here, um, there is a match that she had with Mika Iwata in Sendai mm-hmm. Girls back in the day. That's a really good one to go check out. That's one that I've watched, um, you know, over the past year because not just because of this, but I was interested because, you know, Hana not in stardom is kind of like a foreign thing to some people because <laughs> that's where she's remembered, but she did a lot of work outside of stardom and that's a match to definitely go check out. You can really check out anytime she teamed with Oscar uh, Venny as well. Those were always great because they had such mm. a great relationship. They had a great rapport and that was before Hana was necessarily a great wrestler. She was still learning a lot, but you got to see them be together. And I think that's also worth going out of your way to check out. It's a testament to how good she was so early in character work that she was able to bounce from the, you know, Joshi independence, the wrestle ones, the Sendai's and stuff where like she was playing the plucky kind of face and then going straight into stardom and acting as that egotistical Oedotai heel. And she was able to find the character aspects of both of those roles so well like people struggle to do split personality gimmicks mm. in their, their prime, but for someone to literally start wrestling and, you know, within months, you know, she started in like March, April, May. And then by the end of the year, she was working stardom as a, with Oedo tie. The fact she was able to just do that so comfortably. Yeah. It'd be so difficult not to slip into an aspect or something, but you, you didn't get that with her. Yeah. And just 20 years old in this match, right? Like mm. am I doing the math, right? Uh, was that uh, so she started 2018 in, yeah 2018 yeah. she was 20 yeah um, 22 that's and people forget her career actually started in 2005 so mm. <laughs> which is a fun little tidbit for anyone. she is a former ddt iron metal heavy uh heavy metal champion uh yeah. at the age of uh seven <laughs> is that is that correct <laughs> It's, Matt, it's too early in the math morning. Math is not our math. strong suit. Okay, wrestling, well, wrestling actually, is. yeah. Moving on from math. <laughs> but uh, the match that you're talking about, um, the Sendai Girls uh, yeah. Iwata match, uh, mm. is a really good example of what Scott was saying about making you believe. Like, she is selling the leg. This leg, classic leg work going on, but she sells it. So she's like, she's angry that she's in pain. She's mm. limping. She's like, you, you just feel that all, her injury and her like disdain, all that's happening, which, you know, that's just like, it doesn't get done well enough. People just mm. kind of hold the leg a little bit and move on. But it made it this core part of this story. You can tell she grew up in a wrestling family, seeing that kind of work that she would do that early into her career. You know, that's something that a lot of wrestlers don't pick up until they've already got the basics down pat mm-hmm. and how to, how to Irish whip and how to construct a match. Then they start thinking about good quality psychology. But she's putting that in within her first couple of years. Um, and really, like Mika Wade, if you haven't seen her work outside of stardom, she's really one of the best examples of a Hanukkah rival. Um, that, that we have because unfortunately her career didn't go that long and a lot of the rivals she, she was developing didn't we didn't get to see properly flourish yeah. but I think her work with Iwate um, again like it wasn't a super long sort of rivalry but you yeah. it's one of the best examples that you've got so if you haven't had a chance if you only know Hana from her stardom work 
definitely, you know, hunt down some of these matches because they are great examples. And you get to see a side of Hunter that you didn't get to see in stardom, be it with Oedo Tai or Tokyo Cyber Squad. Yeah. Um, I guess it is worth noting her title match, of course, against Bea Priestley for the World of Stardom Championship yeah. after winning the five-star Grand Prix. I think that's worth seeing just because you get to see Hana in the big match sense of, you know, everyone was pretty much rooting for her because not just like, you know, Japan, but worldwide. Everyone wanted to see Hana win that title and Ultimately, that didn't happen. Mayu Iwatani would go on to win it, as we know, and have, you know, her great reign. But it's one of those things of, like, what if? You know, what if mm. Hana Kimura won that title? You never really know. Um, she was ready, though. She was ready. Had they pulled the trigger there, she mm-hmm. was ready to win that title. She was ready to be everything that Stardom needed her to be because she was that great. And uh, I'm not going to say anything about B. And that that Kurokan crowd was ready for it too. Yeah, they were hot for the Hana. Yeah, you know, the, the big moments when it looked like Hana might win. And I, I I can speak from experience. I was in the second row for that match. Um, I was very lucky too. I actually had to move the hell out of the way when Hana threw B into the the chairs because <laughs> she threw her into my chair and took my umbrella and <laughs> wailed her. Um, it wasn't my umbrella, but I thought it might have been at first and began wailing on uh, B with it. Um, it was very special to actually be there because I, I was lucky enough to see her in the ring both as an Oedo Thai wrestler um, and then as Tokyo Cyber Squad in such a big match. And look, on that same show, you had Arisa uh, versus Kagetsu for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Oh, and going to that show, <laughs> I was like, well, that's going to steal the show. That's the match I'm going to remember. Yeah, Hana's good. B, look. I, she was doing decently as the World of Stardom champion, but she wasn't like, you know, we'd just come off Kagetsu's reign. Um, but look, the, the main event, B versus Hana, was the match of the night, and quite comfortably so. And, you know, it's probably one of the matches I would point to for how good B Priestley can be. She did have a couple other matches in stardom, most notably her final one with Utami that kind of showed how good she was. But that match there won me over as what B Priestley was capable of and also proved to me that Hana Kimura, obviously she won the five-star Grand Prix, but she's in that main event position. She's yeah. ready for the championship. The crowd was ready for it. I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. I would have lost my <laughs> mind if I got to see that title change hands, but it was still a wonderful moment nonetheless. Yeah. yeah I wrote on my notes, like crowd support, everybody behind her, everything you're saying, like if you want to like see what it's like to have, an entire audience like behind you that's 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 one to check out they were when she was on offense she was on defense the focus was hana even though you know b's the champion like they mm. hana was the star hana's who they wanted it's very clear throughout yeah yeah it, it, it is and it speaks to her popularity she was so popular um and it just it just it continues to make me think. Um, another match that I want to say before, you know, we kind of move on to other stuff, uh, is her last match, um, in the Cinderella mm. tournament where she faced Miyu Iwatani. Uh, Sorry, I'm my head's broken today. Uh, you, you're thinking about the Miyu Master match you're going to be able to see live and in person in a few months. That's true. Do not rub that in. <laughs> Trent wanted me to, but I wasn't going to. I wasn't even going to bring it up. That's how nice I was going to be. But he brought it up. Uh, 
but yeah, Hanakamura versus Mayu Yutani, uh, it went to a draw, I believe they, yeah, it did. Yeah. They both went over the top yeah, row. Right. And that's another good one just to, you know, check out, um, you know, I understand some people might not be able to because it's kind of emotional just to think about mm. how that was her last match. But at the same time, I mean, her last match is against Mayu Yutani. So there is, there's just some, something interesting about that and how that worked out. Um, ultimately, we know Julia would go on to win that Cinderella tournament, mm. which again, back to the rivalry thing, that was just going to be the spark. Um, I really do think Hana was going to take that title from Julia. Um, and so on and so forth, but definitely match worth checking out. And then there's uh, No People Gate as well, where she teamed with Jungle Kiona against Julia and Micah. I think that's worth checking out. And that's free on YouTube. Yeah, so. and that was a really fun match. Um, yeah. It's such a shame because, like, that Mayu Watani match was so obviously setting up a red belt match. You know, it's a classic case of the champion getting eliminated either just straight up or in a double elimination, and that sets the scene for the next title match. We saw it this year with Himika and uh, Shuri. Uh, so it is such a shame to think, well, Maya versus uh, Hana Kimura, they would have, we didn't really get to see a lot of that with Hana as Tokyo Cyber Squad and put the red belt on. That would have been a massive match because this is right when Bushiroad was kicking into gear. Obviously, by this point, the uh, pandemic had hit, but that would have been a hell of a return feud and story to come to. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Uh, but, you know, we can move on from matches because what Hana Kimura is so great at is she doesn't need a match to make a moment. And mm. she has many moments outside of the ring, outside of, well, it, some were in the ring, but they weren't necessarily matches. Um, and I, I would like to kick it off with the stardom draft. I think it's mm. one of I think it's one of the best examples of who Hana Kimura was and how smart he- she was by who she picked first. Yes, of course. <laughs> but it it exemplifies who hana kimura was you know yes this is wrestling yes not everything's real but the way she made certain members feel in that is that you know a bunch of teams were stopping and she's like ah you know what give me everyone pretty much (laughs) yeah you have reen out there crying she's like ah come here and you know there's those emotional moments throughout that she was also hysterical like that's worth Mm. adding as well you know at the beginning she was she was so funny, but mm-hmm. by the end, you know, she's like, I'll bring everyone in here. I will, you know, give them the love that they deserve. And that's where the everyone's different. Everyone is special conversation goes into it. Like she, that was her, that mm-hmm. was every part of her. Uh, the stardom draft is just such an easy and fun watch. You know, you're not watching a wrestling match, but you're just watching the wrestlers that you love have fun out there. That's what mm-hmm. they were doing. Um, you know, and I think it's a great thing to go check out because then you also see Tokyo Cyber Squad come together and, you know, you kind of see how they felt at the beginning. And then, as we know, by the end, they were as thick as could be. I mean, yes, th- th- those early weeks of Tokyo Cyber Squad where Jungle Keanu and Konami especially just they don't know what to make of this whole thing and they're not <laughs> fully on board but they're kind of getting won over by Hana and then just as they kind of embrace that rebellious attitude of her and you see Konami uh, Keanu kind of giving the middle fingers and swearing at opponents it's just beautiful seeing that sort of progression from a group of misfits to a group of misfits with like a common united sort of idea and goal and just that family that comes through from it it is just the best it's a relatable group like everybody kind of (laughs) feels like even though they're so weird right but like everybody feels like at some point that you're the outsider you're the misfit you're the weird Mm -hmm. one 
um, so that everybody's different, everybody's special idea, it resonates so well outside of the wrestling stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the drafts in general, I, I think people were so disappointed when they didn't come back. And I think really the current setup of you know doing natural storytelling of people joining different groups and betraying, it's probably a bit easy to do. But I think part of why people miss the draft so much is it is that perfect character study that you know it, the leaders sort of get their moments and everyone involved get their moments like the when natsu samir was waiting to get drafted into Oedo Tai and kagetsu kept sort of teasing her out and that yeah. natsukotora and stuff like that <laughs> i mean this is why the stardom roster was so beloved for obviously there's many reasons but i think the that sort of fun vibe that they always gave off it was big part of why family on board exactly the roster felt like a family yes the yeah. factions and the groups ended up being like family but that entire roster at that time was a family they were all having fun with one another you know and you know just to talk about that draft hana being the one to sit up on the turnbuckle you know just because because she yeah. you know she's the center of attention without being the center of attention because you know mm. we're all focusing on the draft but no, 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 just, just no. Hanukkah is right there, and you must pay attention. Um, I, I just always loved that little tidbit. Like she just, you know, she controlled the room, no matter what. There was the yeah. entire roster out there, and she still controlled the room. Mm. Um, I, I love, like, if we're talking about moments in the ring with Hanukkah and again, I'm going back to, I'm pretty sure it was, it was the 2017 Five Star Grand Prix. Her match with Chris Wolf. Um, where they bring in the different meats and she's just basically taunting and teasing her the whole time. The build-up to it was that she's a vegetarian and then she's gone chomping into these sausages and all of that and <laughs> you know, distracting Chris and you know, sort of slapping her in the face with the packaged meat while she's hung up in the ropes. Like Those two had such a fun vibe together. You know, Whenever they would team up and you'd get the pre-match promos and you know, Chris is sitting on Hannah and she's sort of petting her and you know, they, they fed off each other's <laughs> infectious energy and seeing them actually in the ring against each other, they were able to just probably do everything they'd talked about behind the scenes and, yeah, just put on a hell of a show. I do want to bring up the uh, – this isn't really talking about the match, but I do want to bring up that Saki Kashima match from the five-star game because I didn't get to go into it of just how perfect it is because mm -hmm. Hanakamura is riding into that show as confident as ever. You know, she's like, I don't – it's just Saki, you know whatever like that's how she's going into it and then in seconds she's pinned one two three loses you know loses out on our points and i thought she was gonna kill the referee like she was just like are you <laughs> kidding me the way like what what just happened like she, she was so good at just that instant like reaction of oh like what and then you know she just she was able to continue that through that term that was a great moment that i remember watching for the first time and i was just mm -hmm. like Oh, and I mean, we did get that kind of moment this year in the Cinderella with Mayu. It was, mm. you know, much longer match, of course, seventeen seconds instead. But <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it was a Broadway matching comparison. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like one of those things where uh, one Saki's really good at making those moments, but mm. um, it always takes a good person to make that moment cooler, make that moment greater, and you know, there you go, Hanakamura did that. No referee is in more danger than in a stardom ring after they've counted a three on a flash pin. 
so many of the wrestlers going just <laughs> ham at the referee. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, obviously, Himmick is a great one for just going into murder machine mode. It's, she gets oh, beaten yeah. when she feels she shouldn't have. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a fun watch. It's something they just seem to really gravitate to, especially when you've got quite a few wrestlers on the roster who specialize in those kind of flash pins. Mm, yeah. Um, Ryan, I know you wanted to talk about um, the cool and the ability to be you know you talked about how she had that aura but the aura is one thing but being the coolest looking human being Mm -hmm. in the entire world is another so i'll let you kind of kick that off because no matter what group she was in no matter what it was she always had the look she always had the killer presentation that was just you know perfection yeah for sure like if you but if you described it beforehand if you said hey i'm gonna wear torn pink camo pants and then like (laughs) braids that you might get on vacation in jamaica you'd be like hana no no don't do that (laughs) that's not gonna be cool and then she comes out it's the coolest like she looks so good in it she pulls that off um the oda tie look like the black is in sort of the traditional japanese mixed with the modern um that's awesome but when she comes into her full power is with tokyo josh tokyo joshi bro uh (laughs) the cyber squad you know what's on my mind um with the rainbow again if you said i'm gonna wear rainbow gear with fuzzy boots and then they carry a sword you'd be like ah are you sure about that i'm gonna carry a sword that lights up the sword part looks great but the all the fuzzy the fuzzy rainbow stuff she pulls that off and then the the gas mask look the gas mask the sword i think that's when you think of her now i think a lot of people think that version Mm -hmm. and a lot of the like merch you see is that because it's hard to get cooler than that like that's just badass (laughs) And I love that the gas mask came from, you know, it was kind of the evolution and a homage to her very first Oedo Tai appearance when she came in and, you know, hooded up. It was like, who's this person that's joining Oedo Tai with Kyoko and Kagetsu? Psych, it's her daughter. Um, yeah, that's, to me, that was such an iconic look because she had the kimono on as well. Mm. Um, and then to see that evolve into the Tokyo Cyber Squad look um, was just perfect. Um, it's fascinating also to go back now to that period where she was factionless after turning on her wedding tie and seeing her experimenting with all the different looks. You know, we had the braids sort of come in with the black hair for a while. We had the fuzzy boots come in, like the bright yellow, I think they were, um, for a little bit. They had the the short little yellow skirt that eventually Rena would sort of co-opt uh, and sort of in honour of Hana. Just seeing her try all these different things before she eventually found the perfect sort of combination in Tokyo Cyber Squad, whether it be the pink camo with the braids or the green and the and the sort of rainbow gear that she had. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see that evolution in person because you don't always get to see it. It's normally done behind the scenes. Yeah, and and the Tokyo Cyber Squad, just the, everything about it was the coolest. Like, hmm. it, it of course starts at the top with Hana. Like, you need her to be the coolest, understandably. But it just, it went to everyone in the group. Everyone became cooler. You know, you had the great gear for Konami and Jungle. And you had Death Yama-san, who was just a, you know, blast of a time. And so on and so forth. But 
there was a reason Tokyo Cyber Squad was so popular. And it's not just because of the wrestlers, but it's just because they look so cool. Like that mm. does more, I think, than people don't understand. Like there's a reason Donna Del Mondo is beloved, and because mm-hmm. they look so cool, mm. right? It you know, stars isn't supposed to look cool. It's you know, it's led by Mayu. You're supposed to is <laughs> you're supposed to have fun. Mayu's the person who goes to a press conference in a hoodie. Right, like they they wear hoodies, they have a good time, you know, they lay back. But then you have these groups that every time they appear, they look the coolest, and they were always the coolest. And it was great when they had the uh, artist belts because they were able to match those, and just they got it, you know, they had it. Um, it was just great. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, ultimately, whichever faction Hunter was in. That was the coolest faction. You know, when Oweta Tai was had Hana in their peak, they were coming out and they were doing the Oweta Tai dance and getting up to the antics. That was the group everyone wanted to see. That's the group everyone wanted to kind of be, you know, feel like they're a part of. And then, yeah, when Tokyo Cyber Squad came about, it was the group that was taking over and everyone looked to them and, you know, they were new, they were fresh. To me, they captured similar vibes to peak Lost in Gobernables de Hapon. In New Japan, obviously, it was a different sort of setup, but that kind of fun, loving, rebellious vibe with a group of people who, you know, on the surface, you wouldn't think suit and should come together, but they just seem to blend and meld together in just a perfect little way. Okay. So, you know, we talked moments, we talked Tokyo Cyber Squad. I guess now it's time to get to the harder topics to kind of talk about um, with Hana. And of course, this is after her passing. Um, and I, before we get to Matane, I think we should quickly discuss the match that Julia and Mayu had that same day mm. um, because you could feel the emotion when they stepped in that ring. You, you could feel that they were really affected because, one, they couldn't be at that show, and you know mm. that bothered everyone in that building. Um, it bothered a lot of fans that stardom couldn't fully be at that show. Of course, they did have representatives there, mm. but... You know, you know, they wanted to be there. And, you know, Julia was Julia was a mess. Like Julia was legitimately a mess for that match. Uh, Mayu was the one that somehow kept it together more. Like that's that was the truth. And, you know, they did the signature spots, Tiger Lily. And, you know, so it, it, it was special, um, not to the likes of the Julia Konami match, but they did what they could to honor her on a day that they had to go to work instead of go to the place they would have preferred to honor her. Yeah. I think also they probably didn't want to go overboard with it because they recognize yeah. that it's not about them putting on a show. It's just them kind of saying, you know, we want to acknowledge and respect yeah. her. But if you are wanting to get the Hanukkah Memorial experience, you're not, you're not watching Stardom, you're watching Matinee. So I think they found that right mix of showing their love and respect without making it all about them showing their love and respect yeah yeah i agree um but now we can of course talk about matinee you know one of the greatest memorial shows you'll ever see for a wrestler mm. uh, i think it goes without saying you know it was a show of the year last year by far it was one of the best because from top to bottom it delivered um and you know, we can talk matches, we can talk really anything with this show because there were the, you know, the video at the end that I think tore many of us to shreds in a good way because mm. 
you know, you had wrestlers from around the world in every promotion, pretty much you can name celebrating her. You know, you had, if you were worried that you was sure I was in it, you know, you had everyone sending in a message and, you know, it's, it's a video that I don't think I can ever watch again because I'll just, you know, I'll feel that same way that I did watching it then. Um, when I, when I was watching it live because it was heavy, but it was necessary too because it was everyone saying, see you again. And that was the point of the show. Yeah. And you can just feel how beloved she is. It's one of those people that like everyone has a story. Everyone really loves her. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it reminds me a lot, like when Owen Hart passed, um, there's just this same outpouring and the same, like so many people have a connection to this person, which speaks to how special she was. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like, when she passed, like, everyone was sending their condolences and showing respect. Um, and not saying that's because that's what you do, uh, because I do believe everyone was genuine about it. But to see that same outpouring of love and respect a year later, when maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the initial focus is gone and you know, you're not going to be doing it for publicity, you're doing it because you genuinely want to show that love and respect and you want to be, if whether it be in person or just contributing in some way, to saying yes, Hannah was special. Hannah was this, and Hannah was that. Yeah, yeah. And here's something I wanted to do: just kind of give people that idea of like how important this was to the community. Here's every wrestler that appeared in just the battle royal alone. You had Ram Kaishao, Iger, Andros Miyagi, Vanessa Cherry, Chihiro Hashimoto, Shima, Dash Shisako, Fuminori Abe, uh, Goodbye Ji Chan. Um, Hagani Shino, Hanachan, which was Sakura Hirota, mm. of course, um, Hanako Nakamori, uh, Jinsei Shinzaki, Jun Kasai, Lanjere Muto, <laughs> Masato Tanaka, uh, Menso Rei Oyaji, um, Miki Wada, Miyuki Takase, Moika Haruhi. Um, on, sorry, some of these I'm, I know I'm butchering, but you get the point. Uh, <laughs> Shitaro Shino, Super Delphin, Sumo Sogi, Yuka Miyazaki, Yuko Miyamoto, and Yusuke Kodama. Like, there was a lot of people just in that match alone that, you know, we all know from other promotions, and they made sure to take part in that event. And I think that just, again, sings to how important she was, how important Kyoko Kimura is to a lot of people Mm, as well. mm. You know, it wasn't just all Hana Kimura's friends, but it was also people that are friends with Kyoko. And there were people, obviously, that couldn't be there, too, um, which is why you had that video at the end. Um, but it, it, was, it was legitimately a perfect event. Like, you couldn't – the only thing you would have wished for out of it is that it never had to happen, obviously, right? Yeah. But it, it did, and now it seems to be the annual thing. We're going to have an annual Hana show, which is great. Um, but you kicked it off in the perfect way possible. And obviously we can talk about the last two matches, um, which are special in their own right. Yeah, they're special for a lot of reasons, but like at the end of the day, the show is uh, as strong as the sum of its parts. You know, you can point to the individual matches, especially the last two matches in terms of quality or just the fun of some of the other matches. 
but how it all comes together and just represents that love and kind of highlighted the different parts of Hana as a wrestler. You know, she was, yeah, you, know, you could see that she would want to see that kind of fun stuff from the, the Battle Royal. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, when it came time to put on a good match, she'd be in there throwing bombs with the rest of them. Uh, so the original main event of the evening was Asiaveni, um, who wore Hana's kimono, which, you know, important there. Mio Momono, Natsupoi, and Shuri. So, like we said, stardom was involved in one way or the other. Um, and then the team of Death, Yamasan, and Konami reforming Tokyo Cyber Squad on that one night. And uh, Hazuki and Kagetsu making their grand returns. Some of us, you know, we, you know, as wrestling fans, we enjoyed that one return because we didn't know when or if it would happen again of course suzuki would come back a few months later full time but got to see kagetsu wrestle um mm. two more times ultimately <laughs> but uh i remember watching that match it was kind of like a fever dream like you mm. didn't really believe it was happening because one you have all this talent in the ring you never you know you never you know, Kiyosu's probably never going to wrestle again unless she does another one of these shows in a year or two. Like, she's not wrestling this year. She will mm-hmm. be there, but she's not wrestling this year. Um, and you have Shuri, who's now the, you know, face of stardom, and Natsupoi, and Miyamomono, and Asuka, and Konami, who's essentially retired now, and Death Yamasan, who's going to just pretty much come out for this, and, you know, she'll do, she'll be on the show again this year, I'm sure, and she'll do whatever she wants, because that's what she does, but <laughs> uh, do you guys remember the match, and, because I remember it being a legitimately fantastic match, like, that was, that was one thing about this, like, if you take away, like, the outside aspects of it, it's a great wrestling match, mm. because, you have so many moving parts, but you have Kagetsu and Hazuki going in there and acting like they haven't missed a day. Like, that's the craziest part of it all, right? Like, Kagetsu's like, yeah, I might not have a neck, but I can do this. I can do this whenever I want. It was, it hurt my soul in a way. Someone who's, you know, plays sport and doesn't play for a bit and then tries to come back and, you know, picks up a basketball and proceeds to airball the first five shots to see people <laughs> like Getsu and Hazuki get into the ring after, you know, over a year of not wrestling and then just looking like they'd wrestled a week ago and this was the prime of their careers again. Like, they did not miss a beat, both in the ring, in how they presented themselves and carried themselves, personality, charisma-wise. It was just, yeah. It highlighted just how talented they are, but also just, yeah, they came together and put on a match that was both incredibly uh, entertaining from an in-ring standpoint, but entertaining in a fun, you know, let's celebrate kind of standpoint as well. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's hard to separate the like the action side versus the emotion side. Mm. But if you just had one or the other, it would be a classic. It was just the emotion. It was just the fun, all the different styles and all the stars. But, like, together, it's like nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, if your emotions weren't running high at the end of it when, you know, it was over, Kagetsu goes into a singles match with Asuka, of course. And, you know, that's awesome. That's just – it's just awesome. Like, yeah, match could have been the worst match of all time. It was. It was great. And it wouldn't have mattered because, like, the emotion of getting – 
want another Kagetsu match, but them just being like, yeah, we'll do it right now. We'll do it right now. Let's just do it. You know, Kagetsu was like, oh, okay. All right. No, it's fine. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I, I had to retire because my neck hurts, but let's do it. Let's do it again. And that's what they did. And it was just, it was special on top of special. Mm. It was it was a perfect uh, in ring cap off to the show. Yeah, it ensured that it wasn't just a show that was fun to be a part of and emotional to watch, but like it it ensured that it had phenomenal must see matches in of itself. And then obviously we had the just pure emotion of the end of show ceremonies. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, those alone just like like we said at the beginning, it's just it was a lot. Um, mm but they were so special. Uh, and of course, I, I'm pretty sure if anyone wants to see it, you can always go back on Fight TV and watch I'm it. pretty sure it's still available on Fight. And you can also buy the DVD on the Boonga Boonga base website. Um, I know I, I have the uh, video on demand of it mm. for any time I want to watch it. So I'm sure you could still buy it on there as well. Yeah. I mean, I do want to give credit actually to Ian Riccoboni and uh, cheeseburger who you know they commentated the whole show in english for mm. us fans and you know there was of course a lot of hurdles to get that done because you know they can't go to japan at the time yeah. and you know they're doing it in their you know houses but they were able to really help capture that moment for us english-speaking fans which i think I, I will always say Enric Abani is probably the best of the game when it comes mm-hmm. into English commentary. Um, he's just, he's phenomenal. And I think this really was his ultimate showcase. You know, he's going into a topic where he knows, he knows he did his studying and whatnot, but he made you understand how important all that was. And he treated it as important as it was to the viewer. So credit to them and Cheeseburger too, as well, who was great. It does make And Cheeseburger wonder. knows, Cheeseburger is such a good friend. For, to Hana, so there's oh, yeah. like this personal touch, like it's like you're the buddy to, reminiscing. Mm. It does make you wonder, like probably not so much this year because it's still a bit close to the timing of borders opening and everything. But maybe in a year's time, when travel has become a lot easier, I feel like the next Hana Memorial Show will almost be special in its own right because they'll be able to bring in a lot of people that weren't able to attend the first or second show because it just wasn't logistically possible. You know, mm-hmm. Cheeseburger can go over there and be a part of it. And the wealth of talent in America and UK who were influenced and impacted by Hunter's career and life, they can yeah. be a part of it too. So it'll almost be like, obviously, you know, in a, the Vargas uh, show in a couple of weeks will be the second celebration, but it'll almost be, feel like a part two when everyone can actually be there. Presuming yeah. they haven't managed to pull in all these surprise stuff, which mm-hmm. I doubt, but you never know, mm. right? You never know. Um, before we talk about um, Bagus and kind of start to wrap this up, um, I think it's worth talking about Julia versus Konami from Stardom yeah. Dream Queendom. Uh, for me, it's one of the best matches of 2021 because of all the emotions I remember feeling in that match. And, you know, the moment, the moment Konami walks out there in the Tokyo cyber squad gear, you're just like, Oh, Oh, okay. This we're doing this. Okay. Mm. We're doing this. And I just remember like being filled with emotion, but it was good emotion. Cause you know, 
I wasn't going to, it wasn't like sad. It was just like the moment of like, this is great. You know, she, she stepped away from the Oedo tie stuff and which, which she kind of did a lot in that last couple weeks, months, because she was celebrating, you know, the end of that run, not her career. Like me and Trent talked about on show yesterday. We don't think this is this week's the end of her career there but it was an end of a great chapter and she finally kind of got to close that, you know, she didn't get to close that. They went with the, Oh, she turned on jungle Kiona. Like that's not something we felt. We didn't believe, you know, she wanted to do that. So she got to close her chapter on Tokyo cyber squad while Julia is, you know, going out there with the braids and baggy pants. And you're like, Oh man, like here we go. And then they go out there and they do all the tribute spots and it's just, it's just fantastic. It's just amazing. It took me about 10 minutes after Konami first came out in the Tokyo Cyber Squad gear to probably focus on that match the first time I watched it because <laughs> I was just a, a, a bowling mess. Mm. And then they started doing those tribute spots and I became a bowling mess all over again. So <laughs> that was a match I had to watch a second or third time to actually, you know, watch it as a match as opposed to just, yeah kind of a matinee 1.5 yeah yeah i was gonna ask are you know those matches in the matinee show like are they are you able to re-watch them knowing like how emotional they are i struggle with any of the hunter matches i do go back and watch them but i do struggle um and yeah the matinee show like if it's just kind of the fun stuff i'm generally okay but anytime they do it like the the tribute video uh, yeah, I end up just cur- curled up in a ball. <laughs> mm. I I have plans to I will watch those last two matches at least on the twenty third. I think that's one thing I'll do. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can get myself to watch that final video again. I re- like it was just yeah, that's I, that's different. Agree. It was it was hard. It would be hard this time around. Um, but I can definitely watch those matches. I'm definitely gonna watch Julia and Konami on that day as well because of what they were able to do to really as Trent said you know Julia and Mayu they knew not to go heavy into it but like kind of acknowledge it at the same time and Konami and Julia they did it they did exactly what you know they both wanted to do they were connected by Hana pretty much and they were able to really go out there and put on the show that I don't know if anyone was really expecting going into it because Konami was you know she had her sickness and then she was kind of, you know, turning down. Then she goes out there and, you know, just delivers one of the best matches of her career. Um, before we get into, you know, talking about this next tribute show, uh, is there anything you guys wanted to touch on before that? Uh, I, I think really the only other thing was I love that she's one of the last people to use licensed music in stardom. You know, they for a while there, you, they'd kind of get away with it because they weren't a big company and they were Japanese. And so you could kind of hide under the radar. And then just to start them were really beginning to grow, like just pre Bushi Road, but they were still showing that growth. She's out there coming out to Internet Friends by Knife Party and just rocking out the place. Um, did mean the entrance was a little long at times because she had to <laughs> wait for the drop. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know, just that infectious fun yeah. of the song and her sort of coming out and just you know getting into it uh it's hard not to smile yeah and i want to make sure to mention um there's a pre-match promo before match with um tam nakano and she calls <laughs> tam a shitty little trash panda <laughs> and i don't know if there's a better 
<laughs> pretty much insult than that. <laughs> well, even the last show that she was, uh, the, the Cinderella tournament, like when she's out there with Maya and they're posing for the, the big group photo and she's out there munching on a banana trying to get Maya to eat it as well. Yeah, And that's not on ca- not obviously on camera. That's not a planned bit. It's just her being her. And obviously Maya is one of the perfect people to be playing off in that situation as well. Ah. Yeah, I mean, there's you know so many pre-match promos to go through, but that is that the Tam one will never be forgotten. I still see people <laughs> call Tam that to this day. <laughs> it's just so funny because I'm like, damn, yeah, she said that in a throwaway pre-match promo. <laughs> this right. is why people forgotten. don't want those pre-match promos to go away with stuff. Right. you know 90% of the time they're forgettable you can tell the talent's kind of like yeah I just got to do this before getting ready for the match but the 10% or 5% that they actually you know do something memorable you get gold like that and it just encapsulates characters and personalities and personas yeah and that's why I need every stars one nowadays because like you just have Hazuki like about to bust a gut because they're like doing all these things and she's like I can't stop laughing and now I have to do the check it out thing, which I despise, but she's doing it. <laughs> she lost it so quickly with the uh, promo Mayo and Togamo and her were doing uh, for their first match with God's Eye. And yeah. then they just start doing this little pose and like, yeah, Hazuki had no shot. No, no. Uh, but that's the greatness of those. And as Ryan touched on, um, I guess now we can get really into Bagus and what we know so far. Um, because by the time we record next, we'll probably have hopefully seen it. It's at least probably happened. So mm-hmm. uh, what we do know, and you know, I'll let Trent have his moment here, Jungle Kiona will return to the ring. Uh, her match hasn't been announced yet, but she will be returning to the ring for a return match. Um, maybe this is the kickoff to a return of some sort. We don't really know, but for someone like Trent and who's a massive fan, I'm very happy that he gets to see Jungle wrestle again because the way she went out was not the way that you know you want her career to end. And you know she would have uh, done anything to be a part in ring of last yeah. year's show. Uh, she got a little moment in the ring uh, with Konami doing the Tokyo and Defsiyama doing the Tokyo Cyber Squad sort of pose before Konami kicked her out of the ring. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I'm just glad that she is able to get back into it because, you know, for a while there she was slated for maybe an October return and she had complications with the surgery. So I think there was a lot of concern that she wouldn't be ready by her own admission on her little fan club thing that she's got. Um, she is nowhere near 100%. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if she has this exhibition match, which yeah, won't be five-star. Let's be honest. It's going to just be she gets back in the ring with whoever it might be. And it wouldn't surprise me if she's then gone for probably another six months while she properly rehabs. Uh, but it definitely feels like she missed the first year's uh, in-ring match. There was not a chance she was going to miss this one. She would have gone in on crutches, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting. Hmm. She gets to you know, have this moment. Um, and this does seem like it'll be more of a, like, wrestling show. That's kind of the theme I got from the announcements because of the main event, and if anyone doesn't know, is uh, Venny versus Shuri, because why not? <laughs> Continuing uh, the Shuri challenging everyone that's not in stardom to mm. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting for just wrestling reasons, obviously, mm. um, because, you know, 
what Shuri has done in the past year. I think if you've heard me, Ryan, or Trent talk or write, Shuri's probably been discussed in all those. <laughs> I'm sure she has. Whether it was a match of the month or a um, celebration of her five-star win or her title reign, yeah, Shuri, I think Shuri's got enough attention. I think she's got a lot. But, you know, Asuka, um, Venny, whichever you prefer, um, she, you know, she's one of the best in the world as well. So, and she is doing great things outside of, you know, she's not in the big stardom, but she's pretty much everywhere else. You know, tomorrow um, she's on DDT. She's wrestling in the third match of the top. Like she is, she is important to pretty much everyone and she can do whatever she wants. That's the thing about, uh, Venny, she can wrestle wherever she wants mm-hmm. and she's going to be a top star. Um, so that's why that match is so exciting is because this is probably our one shot to get a singles match between these two. Um, and it's for a great reason. And I'm sure they're not going to hold anything back. No, well, we saw last year that Venny was willing to go all out um, <laughs> and put on a, an in ring show. Um, I've got no doubt because she won't have to go back to back matches this time. Um, unless she's uh, the mystery opponent for Jungle <laughs> Kiana, think, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, and then um, the Sendai girls are coming too, right? Hashimoto yes. and mm. Dash. Yeah. Do yeah. we know what they're doing? I, I haven't seen that. So it, it's funny you ask because, like, the Twitter account has like this YouTube video post. It's like all cards announced. And I was like, Okay, then why has no one told me about all these matches? <laughs> like, I feel like by now, because it came out mo- weeks ago, because we learned about jungle wrestling, and we learned about Oscar versus Venny. Uh, not Oscar, Oscar versus Venny. Yeah, yeah. that uh, would be good too. That would be great. I, I will say that would be great. But we learned about you know Shuri versus Venny, but we haven't been told anything else. So like, clearly not all cards are announced because we only know the one match plus jungle. So. Uh, you are correct. I know the Sendai girls will be there. I'm sure more than just Shuri will be there uh, stardom wise, because this is on the Monday this time. Mm. So uh, from my knowledge, stardom is definitely not working that Monday. So I'm sure a lot of stardom talent will be there. Sendai girls, you know, it's going to be kind of a mini all-star game. I'm pulling up something here. Um, Karen Peterson, who does a lot of translation. Yeah. She translated one of the press conferences. It says that there's a tag team battle royal. Um, oh. Hashimoto and Awada teaming up. But it also says Fumin- Fuminori Abe is on the show. Do you uh, know he, about was, this? he was in the battle royal uh, last year. Well, this all the stars are coming out. Like that's yeah, it, yeah. It's go like I said, it's an all star game. You're probably gonna have some men's matches. I think there's gonna be a lot more matches this year. Yeah, mostly. Like I think that's. The first year was the healing, and now it yeah. can be you know, celebration. Yeah, celebration. celebration, which is yeah. great. Yeah. And I mm. think I wouldn't be shocked if Kyrie was there this time around. Like, yeah. you want to just talk about people that are going to be there that weren't weren't able to be there or out there. We know Kagetsu will be there. Mm-hmm. There's gonna anyone that could be there. I'm sure Konami will probably wrestle. I like well, after these, I'd be shocked after, if she's not there. After this week, I think that will be her next match. Mm. Yeah. Like she'll be, she'll be willing to go there and compete. Um, but again, that's the beauty of it. It's exciting. Um, and now we just hope we can see it. Right? Like we yeah, don't know. That, for that's sure, that's all we can do now is hope. 
Yeah, the, It'll be available these, one way or another, whether it's live or not, I'm sure. Yeah, I, Kyoko made sure for the first time. I'm sure she's making sure for the second time. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. And I'm sure uh, other like promotions are offering help to record these things for her. Mm. Um, so it's, a, it's exciting. Um, but to close out this show, which has you know gone pretty long, this might be our longest episode of the day, and deservedly so, I want, if you guys don't mind, of course, everyone kind of give what they think the lasting memory of Hanukkah is. Um, if you want me to go first to make it easier, I can do that. Um, yeah, you know, I will. I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I saw Ryan go. And Ooh, like, I'll get, I'll get how, do you, how do you sum that up? No, I know. Um, so it's hard to put into, you know, full words what Hanukkah more means to a lot of people. But to me, she's going to be remembered as like the brightest light wrestling has ever seen. People are going to think of Hanukkah Mora, and yeah, they'll be sad that she's no longer here with us, but they're ultimately going to smile remembering her greatness and her matches and her moments um, and really her smile. You know, that's like, that's the theme of Hanukkah Mora is everything about her was like, you know, too perfect to be true. She was great at everything she did and she brings the wrestling community together. The wrestling community disagrees on a lot of things. They do. Joshi fans, AEW fans, Puro fans, like everyone disagrees on something. But I think we can all agree that Hanakamura one was special and that she should be and will be remembered for all the great things that she did when she was here. So she will be that forever light that people can look to and think, you know what? She was amazing. She can she can make us all come together and smile and celebrate her um, every single year because that's the way she should be remembered. She will never be forgotten. That's for damn sure. For me, trying to remember Hannah and remember her legacy is quite simple, to be honest. It's in the words of her catchphrase with Tokyo Cyber Squad. Everyone is different. Everyone is special. And I think... I don't want to speak for her, obviously, but I feel like that would be the legacy she would want to carry on because she made her name by being different and being special. She encouraged others to be able to do that as well. And you know, as everyone's trying to find who they are in this world and you know, it can be difficult, you can find yourself in situations where you're kind of a bit lost. But if you find what makes you special, be that being different or whatever you know everyone's different in their own way but everyone's special in their own way and i think hanukamura exemplified that better than anyone you know she was a show woman she put on a performance and all of that but behind the scenes in what little bits we got you could see she's just someone who had the warmest heart and the brightest smile and wanted everyone to kind of feel that as well yeah you guys are saying a lot of what i'm thinking um i think like the just like love she made you love her as a wrestler as a person and everyone who knew her they all you know they talk about her in this way that it made she made it easy to love her mm-hmm. and the fact that we're doing these shows every year and for how long you and I we're doing shows that speaks to the 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 lasting love, the power of that love. Like a lot of wrestlers have died. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and with tragic situations. But she's so special that that we're going to continue to 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 feel this, to celebrate, and do all these other things um, forever. Maybe you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you guys uh, I think you guys helped wrap it all up into like as much as we could because you know there's so many different things we could say about Hanukkah more and just how incredible she was but I think we we did our best you know that that's and that's the way you're supposed to do these things no one's ever going to do it perfect um you know as perfect as we could possibly do it and I I've really enjoyed having these conversations with both of you because uh you know we were talking about you know this show this show we can do whatever we want from month to month that's the great Mm. thing of it we're not you know just sitting here and reviewing every joshi show and you know we'll review some in the future and whatnot but we we pick the topic we get to talk about whatever we want we've had a Kyrie episode we've had a draft but for may it felt like there was only one choice and it was talking about hana kimura and while it can be very tough for a lot of people to still do that and it's completely understood, I hope we were able to help capture a lot of what you are thinking about her as one, a wrestler, but as a human being, as a person, and as, again, like, you know, just one of the true great souls and human beings wrestling has ever seen, the world has ever seen. Absolutely. Yes, sir. 